Hey, good evening, everyone. This is Lisa Johnson. Welcome to our first new, fresh podcast of 2024. Uh, before we get started, I want to remind you to support the podcast. Uh, subscribe to the, my channel on YouTube. Uh, click the bell for notifications so when uh, fresh new content come out, you'll be notified of it. Uh, also, hey, go out and comment. I want to hear your comments. Uh, especially if you disagree with what I'm saying, or if you think I've got the wrong information, my facts are wrong, please let me know. And so uh, I'll also go out to the, my online store and I got some good, uh, I think it's good, uh, souvenir type things out there. So support the podcast as we bring you, I think, uh, different viewpoints on a lot of issues facing the world, the country, our communities, and to be honest, uh, a lot of issues facing uh, black people here in America. Um, this year, I got a theme, and it's ROAR, R-O-A-R, it's an acronym, in 2024. And it basically talk about return uh, to our ancestral roots. And that involves being a people of God, faith. Uh, it involves being really uh, strong families uh, understand and appreciate the importance of the family unit, two-parent families, because uh, that's the way we used to be even during slavery, even during, uh, during Reconstruction, all the way up to the 60s when they started incentivizing uh, uh, fathers not being in the home. And then we, we uh, fast forward to today, and there are people who pretend they Black Lives Matter who are really against the new uh, neutral family at all. And so we need to return to that. A lot of these issues facing our communities because we've gotten away from our roots. And then finally, uh, this uh, quest for prosperity. So if you've been listening to my podcast, there are four things that I think we need to tackle to get to the roots of most of the problems, if not all the problems in the black community, God, family, uh, education, and business prosperity. And when I say business, I mean, we create, own, and control our own global companies into things like technology, things like investment, uh, even consumer products. We want our own uh, Bill Gates. We want our own uh, entrepreneurs uh, who are in business around the world and they're profitable. And that's the way we make our community profitable. Uh, that's the way we uh, generate uh, generational wealth. So that, that's one thing. So uh, this evening broadcast, uh, we're going to be participating in Black History Month. Now, I used the word participate for a particular reason. I did not use the word celebrate because, and I'm going to bring you some uh, different viewpoints on Black History Month here shortly, uh, which I share. Uh, we're going to bring you on Morgan Freeman, and he's going to tell uh his perspective on Black History Month, which I agree with. Now, before we get into that, one last thing. And, you know, I have a lot of very educated, very successful uh, friends, and associates, and family members, and however you want to define success. But one thing I've concluded, and I strongly believe, I don't care what kind of education you have. It doesn't matter how smart you think you are. If you don't have the knowledge, it's all about knowledge. And if there's someone else controlling your knowledge, 
And they can do that in very ways that we never suspect. Uh, if they control your knowledge, to control the information that you get, uh, they can control the way you think. And when I say that, uh, you look at the public school system, you look at our colleges, that's where they teach us. So, uh, quote, unquote, most of that is miseducation. Uh, and I say that from a person who, who just loves to read. And the more I read, the more I realize what they're not telling us. And the more I realize uh, that the common things I hear in the media is just garbage. It's like fast food knowledge. It's not very nutritional for you, but it, it makes you feel good. Uh, and so that's where we have right now. You have to really dig, you have to work. Uh, you have to cook from scratch, uh, keeping with that uh, metaphor, in order to uh, really know what you need to know without people influencing what you think without you knowing it. And I have to say this, uh, and I've talked about this before, I encourage everyone to go out and do some research on propaganda, starting with the book with that title, I think it was published in 1927, 28, uh, by Sigmund Freud, nephew. And it talks about how they control your opinion, how they, you think you're formulating your own opinion, but what they know about brain science, human psychology, human behavior, we're no uh, match for these folks who's uh, programming us with all, all of their, all the opinions they want us to have. So I'll leave that there, maybe deal with it another day, but let's get into tonight's broadcast. We're bringing you, like I say, uh, voices and viewpoints that you will hardly ever hear in the mainstream media anywhere because the mainstream media is there with a narrative uh, for black folks especially that we are victims uh that it, how unfair everything is uh, we've gotten to the point where our schools don't educate us anymore they don't teach us the basic reading and writing and arithmetic as we were told growing up they're not teaching us that so they they, they, they uh, played the sleight of hand bait and switch type of thing now they want to teach us critical race theory and i've said this before if you're not teaching black kids how to read, how to write, giving them information that's, that they can take to the marketplace and get compensated for it, and all you're teaching them, the main thing you're teaching them about critical race theory, what you're doing is educating them to grow up to be protesters. And if you don't have certain knowledge in certain fields, it's gonna be very hard to get a job. And what they're trying to teach you is that the reason you don't have a job is because you're black and everything is unfair and they're not teaching you about history. So we're gonna delve, delve into that a little bit uh, more too on this program, but let's start. I wanna share uh, opinion uh, from Morgan Freeman. And by the way, uh, just so you know, y'all probably know I'm from Mississippi too. Morgan Freeman is from Mississippi, we're homeboys. And people would think, I need to dig into that one day, People would think that if you were born and raised down south and you went through the 60s civil rights movement, that you would be angry and upset with white people and everything else. Uh, but what I try to explain to people, and I can't speak for everyone, uh, when I was growing up, we worked around white people all day and every day. We went into the house, we talked, we got to know them as people and not as a, as a group. And so as a result of that, I was telling someone, whenever I saw bad white people doing bad things uh, in the news, on TV or whatever, I also had a lot of them that I knew personally that I knew was not like that. And they have a basic respect for you and the type of person you are. And in fact, I guess what I'm saying, they judge you by the content of your character. 
and not the color of your skin. A lot of that goes on down south. Let's get into uh, this uh, uh, video uh, from Morgan Freeman. It's here from Morgan Freeman. Black History Month you find ridiculous. Why? You're going to relegate my history to a month? Oh, come well, on. What do you do with yours? What, which month is White History Month? No, well, no, 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 come on, tell me. Well, the, I'm Jewish. Okay, which I'm month Jewish. is Jewish History Month? Uh, there isn't one. Oh, oh, why not? Do yeah. you want one? No, no, no. I, 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 I don't either. I don't want a Black History Month. Black history is American history. How are we going to get rid of racism? Stop talking about it. I'm going to stop calling you a white man. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you to stop calling me a black man. I know you as Mike Wallace. You know me as Morgan Freeman. You know so that was, that's what I'm talking about. Let's, let's, let's just dissect uh, what Morgan talked about. I agree with him a thousand percent about this black history. Uh, you know, and I was telling someone, and this is just me, if I expect for other people to quit focusing on race, then I need to set an example and quit focusing on race. I have never really thought about it in racial terms. Well, let me rephrase that more accurately. I've always thought about it more in culture terms than racial terms. And to me, and I've said this before, uh, in genetic science, there's no such thing as race. Race is some invention of the world and people who want to manipulate. I guess the best way to put it is it's an invention of the rich and powerful and it's used to manipulate. I think it even almost satanic type of concept is race that used to divide people. So I wish we'd just stop using it, talk culture. And I like to give the example, you know, uh, during Prohibition, when the Italians and the Jews and the Irish were being treated like second-class citizens, just like black folks were, and uh, alcohol was illegal. If you go look at, let's say, Chicago, there was just as much violence uh, in their community as anything else. And when you look at it, when you got in an illicit market, you got a bunch of poor people that's that are being looked at as second-class citizen. It's not unexpected that they would do some things uh, with, within this sphere of illegality that would generate the violence and stuff uh, similar to what we're seeing in Chicago today, except instead of in the Italian and Jewish and Irish neighborhood, it's in the black community a lot of times because of the same thing. You got illegal drugs being there. You got people who are not very, uh, lots of time, and don't write me if you want to. Uh, we look at, I've seen some statistics on the Chicago school system. I was not educating anyone to do anything well. And they're being bombarded every day, especially with social media, about what, it, what everybody else have, and they're trying to figure out why they can't get it or they want to get it. So that leads to a lot of things that we're seeing in the inner cities for violence and things like that. And so it's a cultural thing more so to me than anything else. But the other thing he talks about, and he talks about 
how do we end racism? I agree with him. Let's just stop talking about it. And I know that goes contrary to every fiber in our human nature. But once again, hey, if you're a spiritual person and you're a Christian, a lot of things Jesus asks us, us to do is against our human nature. But you know what? I'm here to testify. If we can find the strength to do it the way he teaches us to do it, our rewards will be what he say our rewards will be. So that's that's it. And then Black History Month, look, uh, I don't like focusing on Black History Month. And then one of my pet peeves, because I've been in uh, math, science, music, and stuff all my life. And I always had an issue, maybe a personal thing, when uh, Black History Month come along and we start talking about uh, how Black people uh, invented uh, the street lights and how they laid out Washington, D.C., uh, how they were really the inventor of the uh, cotton gin, uh, all those type of things. I think the first heart, open heart surgery was done by a black man in South Africa, I think, if I recall correctly. Uh, when people start talking like that, look, I'm in math and science and engineering. Uh, and I'm thinking, you know what? Today, People are spitting atoms. They're sending satellites uh, and out to the farthest edge of the universe. They've created uh, satellites that can look back in time all the way back to the uh, Big Bang 14 billion years ago. It can look back in space. And by the way, most of you, some of you probably know that uh, the further look, we look out into space, the further back we go into time. Time and space are intermingled like that. So I'm saying there are people out there doing those things. Uh, if anyone, and I don't want to get too much into this, if you follow in uh, quantum physics at all nowadays, this amazing thing called entanglement, this theory of entanglement, and I'm not going to get into it, but basically I just say, look, you can have two particles, entangled particles, and they can be a universe apart, hundreds of millions of light years apart. And this is being proven, man. Is there uh, they're, if they're entangled, if one particle changes state, the other particle simultaneously changes state at the same time, no matter how far apart they are. And, you know, I, I'm just know enough about this stuff to be dangerous. But, you know, then someone say, well, how is that happening? Because as far as we know, and I think it's going to be proven wrong, by the way, one of these days. There's nothing faster than, than the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second. I've always thought that there is, there are things out there faster than the speed of light. And I've heard that there's some things that's going on in these nuclear waste dumps that's kind of proven that. But besides that, as a spiritual person who don't see any contradiction between science and religion, uh, I've always said, God operates faster than the speed of light. And if you understand the physics and the math and everything behind it, weird things start happening uh, when you operate faster than the speed of light. Uh, also, it can explain how seven days of man's time uh, can be uh, billions of years in God's time, uh, theoretically. So those are the type of things that I'm looking at. So to uh, so just wrap this up, Morgan makes a couple of points that I agree with a thousand percent. Uh, I'm not in favor of Black History Month. 
I'm not in favor of anything that divides us. And I'll get into that a little later. Whenever you start labeling things, you naturally start separating things. And when you start separating things, that's when uh, people identify with different things. That's when we as human beings start being enemies and, and what conflicts arise. So that's, thank you for that on Morgan Freeman. Uh, I got another video here that I'm gonna show you that's, uh, and, and, and by the way, let, let me say this before I go any further. That's why you'll never probably hear Morgan Freeman uh, on mainstream media talking about Black History Month. It goes against the narrative. Uh, we're supposed to be thankful. And we're supposed to believe that Black History Month is something good for us. I'm with Morgan. I don't believe it. And uh, 90% of you can still believe that. I, what you believe. I shouldn't say that. I do care what you believe. But uh, I just believe it's bad for us to be separated things along those lines. So having said that, uh, next, I'm going to bring you a voice uh, of Denzel Washington. And Denzel, uh, he's a spiritual person. He's, he's a Christian. Uh, and, and he has a, a Christian viewpoint on perspective on things. And so he's going to get into, uh, because a lot of my friends talk about systemic racism and the system and things like that. Once again, what I said, God family, education, prosperity via business. Uh, the system is not in there anywhere. Uh, the system allows us not to take personal responsibility and accountability for what happens to us. And I think that's the first step. And I can honestly say there has never been anything that has happened in my life well, I did not take personal responsibility and accountability before. Uh, uh, if, any, if anything I've tried to do, I haven't been able to do it, I can always look back at my role and responsibility in it. And if I have a role and responsibility in it, I'm not going any further looking for what other people did. I need to look at what I did and try to avoid that. I give this example, a lot of people say, uh, some of you know the story about uh, me and my brother and a friend uh, we got in a fight with this gang in high school. And I got hit in the eye with a brick and stuff like that. But to this day, I've never blamed the gang itself. You know, what I said once I once I was sitting in the, laying in the hospital with badges all over my eye. My thought was, you should have run. You should have run. I wasn't blaming them because I had a chance to get away from that situation, and I chose to ease out of it rather than running out of it. So that's just the way my mentality is. And we even had, I even had other guys coming to me and say, let's get them back. And I'm like, nah, I should have run, should have ran. And since I didn't, I can't blame them for it. They just being, they just acting like gays act. And I gotta be smart enough to maneuver around things and, and roadblocks and things in life. So uh, that wraps that up. Let's get, uh, Denzel Washington in, and once again, uh, you will very hear, seldom hear an interview with Denzel Washington because he don't believe in blaming the system and everything else. He's like me. Look in the mirror, people. So let's hear from Denzel right quick. People from Mount Vernon are saying that, you know, like they've done like 40 years in the penitentiary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, 
incarceration rates in America is a problem, especially as opposed to minorities. And Roman delves into this, the, the issues around the, the legal system. Do you think we've made any headway? And I think it's more important to make headway in our own house. By the time the system comes into play, the damage is done. They're not locking up seven-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I was in Chicago a couple of three, four weeks ago. And we saw these little all right, before uh, Denzel tells this story, which is a great story I've heard also before, uh, he is exactly on point. And I meet so many people, and we've just been programmed with this, between our public education system, and don't even start talking about colleges and, and pop music and everything. We've just been programmed to look elsewhere for answers, and the answers it's in the mirror once again. It's us. Uh, it's like, uh, I think there was a saying at one time, I've discovered the enemy and it's us. Uh, we need to take responsibility, especially black men, take the leadership. And a lot of these issues facing our uh, community. Uh, and I'm going I'm to have another program where I deal with a lot of single motherhood, and it's become fashionable now. Young ladies want to have babies and dress them up in the latest fashions and have the latest baby buggers and baby buggers. buggers. Uh, they want to do that. It's a thing now. And it's, in other words, a word I used earlier, culture. It has become part of our culture. In fact, just thought about it. You know what? We as a people, need to take a cultural inventory and look at our behaviors, look at what we value, look at our morals, look at what we're doing, look at our priorities within the community. And I know it's gonna to be tough because the world in general, society, and it's, it's filtered down in a, to us once we've tried integrating. It's all about fame and fortune. Uh, how much money you got, what kind of, clothes you wear, the latest designers. And I've said this before, and I kind of hesitate. I might adjust a little bit, but I had a perfect childhood. Didn't have much money, uh, but what I had was uh, a standard and uh, an advisory book called the Bible that told me how to live and what was important. I had great parents I grew up around all of my grandparents, and I even grew up around my great-grandfather. Uh, very seldom as any young ladies was having babies out of wedlock. And I, 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 I have to go back and get the statistics. And we had a set of values as far as hard work, education, discipline, even things like watching who you hang out with. We were taught all that and we've forgotten that and we're chasing all the wrong things in life for all the wrong reasons. So let's get back to Denzel and uh, let him finish up the magnificent point that he is making. Kids on bikes with masks on the side of their head, like five or six of them. And the driver said, yeah, these little yummies. I said, who? He said, little, little yummy. Look up, Google little yummy. Little Yummy was an 11-year-old murderer. Wow. 
and you look at his picture, you'll see this headshot of him he's like this. And he got murdered at 11 by a 14-year-old. Wow. Who's doing life now, a 16-year-old. That makes no sense. You blame the system? Where was his father? It starts in the house. It starts in... And yeah, well, well, my father got locked up. Well, where was his father? Yeah. You know, as that, that, like I, I did talk about my three closest friends, and they did, you know, 15 and 25. One did 20 this and that. I was the only one of the three to have in my life, even though my parents were together. But I still had a father who was a gentle man and a good example. Yeah. And they didn't clean the system if we wanted. But they didn't lock any of us up at seven. We were all doing enough to get locked up at 13. My parents sent me direction. They didn't have anybody to help them, and they kept doing what they were doing. A couple of things struck me. Uh, he's talking about 11 and 12-year-olds. Now, uh, I try to appreciate the difference between me growing up in the country, in a small town, and in a city. I mean, you almost got to think about the earth, wind, and fire song, where the world, how the world makes your heart turn cold. And that's what these cities do, do to us. Uh, I'm beginning to believe that we probably need to move out of these cities and back to the, where, where we got some fresh air and we got space. I know when I was growing up, they would often talk about the studies that deal with mice uh, living in close proximity how they start attacking each other and eating each other up. If you put a lot of mice in close proximity, uh, that's what's happening in a lot of our inner cities and a lot of these uh, apartment complexes, hood housing, where it's just cramming a lot of people into a small amount of space. But the point I want to make is that uh, 11 and 12 year olds, their behaviors, and the big thing right now, not only don't they have fathers, I had the oldest man who taught me and who we respected. Uh, I'm I'm having a discussion with my uh, children nowadays because I don't know when it happened, but nowadays the young people are expecting for the parents and the elders to understand them and adjust and adapt to their viewpoints of the world. And I think that's a big um, that's a big reason why we're having a lot of problems. Look, there's so much wisdom in age. I don't, once again, I don't care how smart you how educated you are, there's so much wisdom in age. And I have to give respect to the elderly black people that raised me. And I tell everybody that often. A lot of them only had an elementary school education. But I say this without hesitation and keep in mind, I've been in the halls of learning. I've been in engineering environments. I saw all kinds of educated people, all kinds of successful people. But I believe that the smartest people, no, forget believe. I know that the smartest people I've ever met in my life were those elderly black people down south that raised me and the teachers. They're the, they're the, they're the most uh, knowledgeable people I've ever met, the wisest people I've ever met. And so that's what we're missing also. 
we've lost respect for the knowledge and the wisdom of our elders. And I'll get into that one of these days also. And, you know, while I'm thinking about it, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, we had a block club at one time, and that's when Minneapolis started getting out of hand and crime because uh, probably for the first five, six, ten years I was in Minnesota, Minneapolis, we had hardly any crime. You could walk anywhere and there wasn't nobody shooting or killing each other and murdering each other. But once that started, I think it was probably the 19, late 90s when it became Murderapolis, we had a block club to address crime. What I'm getting to is that me and I was the leader of the block club and, and another gentleman, a Jewish gentleman, a friend of mine, Phil, uh, he was the vice president. I was president of what I'm getting at, at one time we were driving somewhere and almost out of the blue, a few of us turned to me and said, he said, Lacey, black women are the smartest people they are. And by the way, as soon as he said it, I knew exactly what he meant. And uh, so I'm going to just leave it there. We've just lost sight of who to listen to, where to get wisdom from. We've become so we prioritized and gave education and intelligence and all those secondary type of things more credence than just plain old wisdom that comes with age and just being just smart. And so that's what those are the two things just reminding of uh, uh, giving our elders the respect that they deserve and then also uh, the importance of having fathers in the homes it all depends on us now even if we come in the homes where we are and i'm gonna I'm throw out a challenge to black men because i'm just be straight up it's our issue to solve we have to be the leaders that we're supposed to be we have to and i tell some some of my friends and they're really educated and you can imagine i'll get along with them. we gotta stop whining and complaining about what people are doing to us and like my dad and you know i'm from my age where men and women there was a little difference in the way uh, my dad used to tell me, look, because I never heard my dad complain in his life. I never heard it. Uh, he said complaining was for our women and our children, not for me. And we need to be warriors in the obstacles that way. We need to understand them and how we can overcome them. And we need to lead our, our people and our family, our community to be able to overcome, become prosperous, become godly, become educated. We black men need to do that. There's only been one time in my life where I've gone in for a job interview and didn't get the job. And I explained that in a few ways. First of all, going back to education, my teachers, our teachers made sure we learned. And they didn't spend any time telling us about talking about race or slavery or how unfair life is. They made sure we learned our science, our math. We knew how to write. So I had a great education, and I always cherish education. Secondly, uh, I tried to be the best I could be. That's the way I was raised. I didn't worry about what white folks thought of me or what anybody else thought of me. I just focused on being the best I could be because that's the way I was raised. And so I always took education seriously. I always try to do that. I guess what I'm saying is that when I walked into these interviews, I wasn't bidding more thinking about racism and all that crap. What I was thinking about is that I'm the best person for this job. I know I am. And when you interview me, 
I'm going to show you I'm the best person for it. I'm going to show you my knowledge. I'm going to show you my attitude. I'm going to talk about my record. And you can't help but hire me. And the way I put it, I guess, is that back in those days when I was young, I used to tell people, I'm the Michael Jordan of what I do. And can you imagine even a racist owner not one Michael Jordan on this team? And which leads to, I always think that life is about merit. It's not about your skin color. It's not about your history. It's about how good are you at what you do. And what I say to any black youth that I talk to, focus on being the best you are in what you do. Focus on yourself. Most of the time, everything is to take care of itself. Now, you know, I know that statistics, sometimes you can do everything within your power, do all the right things and bad things can happen to you. But the vast majority of the time, if you do what you're supposed to do, things going to turn out the way you think it's going to turn out. And so that's what I, I, I let people know. Uh, finally, I got one thing I'm going to end here, and then I'm going to wrap this program up. And I'm going to wait to hear from you in your comments. And I'm going to wait for all of you to go out there and subscribe and uh, make this a better podcast. Just told you a little bit, leaders, but they all, all leaders. This included Alina Horn, Dick Gregory, and this included comedians, comics, some players, baseball players. Show me in the white community where a comedian is a white leader. Show me in the white community where a singer is a white leader, or a dancer or a trumpet player is a white leader. These aren't leaders. These are puppets and clowns that uh, have been set up over the white community and a black community by the white community and have been made celebrities and usually say exactly what uh, they know that the white man wants to hear. I am not going to publicly use the word clowns, but uh, the basic sentiment that Malcolm is expressing I believe it's true. And let's fast forward. This was what, 60 years ago that Malcolm said this? The more things change, the more they stay the same. And I introduce you to some opinions uh, from Morgan Freeman, from Denzel Washington, that goes against, I'll call it the racial narrative of the media. And I'm just going to be 100% on this, 100 on this. And I've said this before. I think in America, those in power, the money people, they use race and racism to control the way black people think. And I've always said, too, I think there's what, 335 million white people in, in, in America now, if only 1%. Uh, race and 99% could be good or indifferent. Uh, they could love, like, or be indifferent toward black people. 99% of white people could be that way. That still leaves over 335,000 races out there. And 
if there's 335,000 races out there, that's 100%. Don't you think you can always find a racist story to put on the news? And I think that's what's happening. As, as I go out in life and live in life, I very seldom, I, well, let me put it this way. I see for the most part, America's getting along. Now, they might not be hugging and kissing each other, but at least respectful of each other. And that's what we all we can do. I was listening to the writer, David Mamet, uh, on television this morning, and he, he was saying something that I always believe in. Look, as far as I'm concerned, you can have any kind of opinions you want. You're free to think whatever you want. You're free to speak it with whatever you want within bounds. And this is where I'm going. And I, I just try to keep it simple. Uh, as long as you obey in the law, and this is the point David Mamet was making, the playwright, the writer, as long as you're breaking the law, you're, you're upholding the law, you're not breaking the law, I don't have an issue with that. Generally speaking, now you can catch me on a bad day and use the wrong word and then you're going to go at it. But generally speaking, uh, you're free to hate who you want. You're free to hate me for whatever reason. Don't disrespect me. If I'm the best person for the job, you better hire me. I don't care what you think of black people or whoever, whatever else, or men or people you think is arrogant. You better hire me for it. That's your trouble. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see in court. But as far as what you think of me and your thoughts, uh, even things like, you know, me, me and my, a lot of my black friends, uh, we diverge on this also. I don't give a heck about white supremacy and all that stuff. I'm a black. If you think you're supreme, that's okay. I'm here to prove you're wrong that you're not. And I liked it at that challenge. And so, once again, just to deal with what Malcolm is saying, today they are choosing our leaders for us.